Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He tells us, you know, when, when outsiders or unbelievers are around us, the thing that they should notice supremely about us is our love for each other. Not our Bible knowledge, not our, not our worship, not our activities, not our political views, but our love. But that, that's the thing that is going to capture people's attention, is our love for one another. As Christians, our lives are defined by the moment our Savior, Jesus Christ, demonstrated sacrificial love for us and died to redeem us from our sin. That act gave us the chance to be freed from the oppression of sin and made righteous in the eyes of God. We are incapable of loving like that on our own. But as Pastor Dan will challenge us in today's message, your life should reflect that extreme love. You should be an agent of grace and restoration for your fellow believers and everyone in your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament describing who this Redeemer will be, what He'll be like, what He'll do when He comes. And it's this unfolding story of redemption, looking for this Redeemer who will come. And Jesus Christ is that promised Redeemer. And His death on the cross was the method that God used to bring redemption to mankind. And this is why the crucifixion is the pinnacle of the glory of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. Because all of human history from Adam on was pointing to this Redeemer that would come and rescue mankind. And the Redeemer comes and He rescues mankind through crucifixion as a substitutionary sacrifice for us. And that's why this is the pinnacle. This is the height of God's glory cross. Jesus here talks about that in these verses. You know, A.W. Pink, in his commentary, said, Christ's death on the cross is the greatest work which the whole history of the entire universe ever witnessed or ever will witness. And that's true. It's the greatest work in all of history. Now look at verse 33. In verse 33, Jesus addresses the disciples as Little children. Now, this is a term of endearment. It's a term of tenderness here. The word that he uses here, this is, a, this is like a father speaking to his children with a, a, a tender term. Little children. 
But I want you to notice here that Jesus waited until Judas had gone out before using it. Judas was not one of his little children. Unbelievers are not children of God. They're made in the image of God. They're created by God, but they are not children of God. And it's popular in our culture today to say everybody's a child of God. doesn't matter really what you believe or what you do or how you live. You're a child of God. It's very popular in our culture. But according to the Bible, only those who believe in Jesus Christ are children of God. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So it's only to those who believe in Jesus Christ that is given the right to become children of God. Here he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. And here Jesus is not speaking of his return to the Father in heaven. He's speaking of the cross. The cross is where he's going that they could not come. The work of our redemption was something that Jesus Christ did alone. Uh, Just as in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies alone to atone for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ atoned for our sins alone on the cross. But he goes on in verse 34 now. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. So Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. Remember, this is his, his final night with his disciples. Uh, he's he's going to be arrested that same night and taken away for judgment. Uh, so this is his final time speaking to them before the cross. And his final command to them on this last night is love one another. You know, his last words to them. Love one another. And you might, you might be thinking, well, isn't that an old commandment? That's not really a, a, a new commandment, is it? Well, in, in one sense, you're right. This is an old commandment. We see the commandment to love all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, in Leviticus 19.18, it says, uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught that that's the second greatest commandment in the Bible, second to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what Jesus commands here is new. Look what it says again in verse 34. It's new because he says, love one another as I have loved you. So now he raises the bar on love. Not love your neighbor as you love yourself, but love as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially. He laid down his life for us. Unconditionally. You know, Ephesians 5.25 tells us that Jesus gave himself for the church. He, he demonstrated his love by giving himself, dying for us. And, and now he's saying that's how we should love one another. Giving ourselves, sacrificing for each other. And then he goes on, look at verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our our love 
for each other is the one thing Jesus said will identify us as his disciples. Our love. This is the badge that we wear as disciples of Jesus Christ. Our love for one another. And he tells us, you know, when, when outsiders or unbelievers are around us, the thing that they should notice supremely about us is our love for each other. Not our Bible knowledge, not our, not our worship, not our activities, not our political views, but our love. That, that, that's the thing that is going to capture people's attention, is our love for one another. I know for me, when I was in my mid-20s, uh, and I was a non-believer, and I showed up at a church for the first time and started attending church, uh, I was really impacted by how those people loved each other. I was both uh, attracted to it, I found it intriguing, and I found it very repelling uh, because I was not that kind of person. Uh, and I, I remember even a guy very early on, I wasn't a believer yet, I wasn't born again, I just started going to this church and this guy came up one Sunday and I had been going for a few Sundays and gave me a hug. I'm not a hugger. But he gave me a hug and he had a big smile. And he said, I'm so glad you're here, man. And I remember thinking, you don't even know who I am. Like, what are you talking? We've only known each other for a few weeks. But at the same time, I was very intrigued by this whole thing. It's our love for each other that attracts the non-believer. And I have to say, I, one of the things I appreciate about this church is how loving you all are towards each other. And, and, it's, and it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love. And you have such a diverse group. Such a, just a diverse group, ages and ethnicities and uh, careers and education and backgrounds and all of it, married, single, widow, all of it, and yet you love each other so well. That's, that's the thing that Jesus said people should notice, is our love for each other, sacrificial, unconditional love. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3, we're told that our love for one another is a sign that we're born again. That's, that's evidence that we're born again is because now we, we love one another. So now that brings us to verse 36. And I love verse 36. In verse 36 now, Simon Peter goes back to Jesus' earlier statement when he said, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus just gave them this commandment to love one another and Peter is back two sentences ago, and he's hung up on that. And he, so he says in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> and Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Now Jesus is going to the cross. Afterward, he will return to the Father in heaven. So he says to Peter, you cannot follow me now to the cross, but you shall follow me afterward to heaven. Jesus went to the cross alone so that we can go to heaven together with him. And this is such a wonderful promise to every believer in Jesus Christ. We shall follow Jesus to heaven one day. Isn't that great? You know, just in the next chapter, John 14, in the first few verses... Uh, look at verse 1 of chapter 14. Jesus will say, so this is the same night, the same event. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's, that, you know, that's, the, that's the glorious hope of believers. That one day, we'll go to be with Jesus. And he'll receive us to himself. And we'll forever be with, with him. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Peter here, he goes on now. Look at verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? (laughs) I will lay down my life for your sake. Peter should have simply listened to Jesus' words and been satisfied with what Jesus said. Jesus said, you cannot follow me now. He didn't say you cannot follow me ever. He said, you cannot follow me now but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter should have been satisfied with that promise and just say, okay, I can't follow you now, but I I can follow you afterward. I get it. Okay, that sounds great, right? But instead, Peter gets hung up on this whole thing and he says, well, why can't I follow you now? I want to follow you now. Why can't I follow you now? I want to follow you now. I don't understand. Why can't I just follow you now? And Peter shouldn't have followed the Lord at all at this point. But because Peter just ignores what Jesus says and wants to do his own thing, he follows Jesus after his arrest. And you know the story of Peter. It's then that Peter finds himself in a situation where he's warming his hands at the fire of the enemy and he ends up denying the Lord three times. Sometimes you read commentaries or you hear sermons uh, that will say, uh, the reason that Peter denied the Lord is because he was following at a distance. If he wouldn't have followed the Lord at a distance, he probably wouldn't have denied him. He shouldn't have been following the Lord at all at this point. It's not about the distance. He shouldn't have followed him at all because Jesus said, you can't follow me right now, but you shall follow me afterward. And I I want you to see here with Peter... uh, He disregarded God's word because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he ended up in a situation where he denies the Lord. And when we disregard God's word because we want to do what we want to do, quite often we end up in trouble. And we end up in a place we shouldn't be and we end up denying the Lord in some way. It's better just to obey what the Lord says in his word. So Peter makes this bold claim, I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? It's like Jesus says, really? (laughs) Really? 
You'll lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter's denial of Jesus is mentioned in all four Gospels. Uh, And I, I think that's interesting when you consider how few events in the life and ministry of Jesus are mentioned actually in all four of the Gospels. But this event is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And I believe that God included Peter's story in all four accounts, uh, not to embarrass Peter, not for us to look at him and say, well, look at this bozo, you know, kind of thing. But God included Peter's story here because it's so relatable to all of us. Because we can all be like Peter. We all fall short. We all blow it at times. We all go off and do our own thing and just ignore the warning of God or the Word of God in some way. And we deny Jesus in different ways in our life. And, and Peter's, Peter's story illustrates God's love and God's compassion for a disciple who has failed. And that describes all of us. We all can be like Peter. And so we all need this story of Peter's failure that we can all relate to and how God sought Peter out and reconciled him and restored him. And so I think it's here just to encourage all of us. I want you to notice here, again, just to encourage you, Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. And he knew the exact moment that Peter would deny him. He said, before the rooster crows or before the night is over, Peter, you will deny me. He knew how many times Peter would deny him. Three times. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him when Jesus chose Peter to be a disciple, and yet he still chose him. Just like us. He knows. He knows you. He knows me. He knows. He knew when he chose you, when you would fail, when you would fall short, how you would drop the ball how you would blow it, when you would blow it, how many times you would blow it. He knew all of that, and He still chooses you. He knows the moment that we will blow it. And just as He says to Peter here, hey, Peter, before, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. He, he could say to you, or He could say to me, hey, Tuesday, 9 o'clock, you're going to blow it. And then at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, you're going to blow it again. right? And He, he can tell us the date and the time of when we're going to mess up or when we're going to be uh, denying Him in some way and be un-Christ-like. And yet He still chooses us. He still wants us to be His disciple. He still wants us to be on His team. Now Luke's account uh, tells us something else that Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22. You can turn there if you'd like to, Luke 22. Luke 22. Look what He says here in verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Just as Satan asked for Job, Satan asked for Peter that he may sift you as wheat. And if you're in Peter's shoes, what do you want the next verse to say? You want the next verse to say, and you rebuked him, right? You know, like you you cast him away, right? No, but I've prayed for you. Again, God's viewpoint, our viewpoint. Our viewpoint would be, keep Satan away from me. Put up a wall. God's viewpoint is, I'm going to pray for you. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. 
And then look what he says. And when you have returned to me, what does that mean? His faith is going to fail. He's not going to pass the test. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Do you see this? He says, when, when you turn back to me, strengthen the brethren. Use your experience of failure and receiving God's grace and restoration to minister to others in their failure. Strengthen the brethren by telling them about God's grace towards you when you fail. Use this, Peter. Use this in, in your life as a ministry to others. Now turn over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Something else that we see in the other Gospel accounts to shed some light on, on Peter. After Jesus told Peter that he will deny him, Mark chapter 14, verse 31, but Peter spoke more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said, likewise. So, so Peter began to vehemently say, if I have to die with you, I, I will not deny you. Peter Peter's overconfident here. He's overconfident in himself and his own ability, his own spiritual maturity. He, he just simply, he didn't know himself very well. In Proverbs, it says that pride ends in humiliation. Pride ends in humiliation. And, and Peter's story, uh, Peter's going to be humiliated because he's going to deny that he knows the Lord. Here he's saying, I'm, I would die for you. And you know the story. We're going to see it later on in the Gospel of John. He's going to deny knowing Jesus to a, a young girl. A young girl who asks him. And he's going to swear. I swear to you, I don't know who that guy is. I mean, he, he's really going to crash and burn big time on this. Pride ends in humiliation. But for Peter, the humiliation wasn't the end of the story. It wasn't the end of Peter's story. It, Peter's story ends with God's restoration. After the humiliation came restoration for Peter, as we'll see later on in the Gospel. After the resurrection, Jesus will make a point to deliberately seek out Peter. And he's going to say, tell the disciples and Peter specifically that I will meet them in Galilee. And when he gets to Galilee, he looks for Peter and he finds Peter. And, and you know the story how he restored Peter there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Peter had gone back to fishing. Peter had gone back to his old life. For Peter, he thought that he, he, had, he had blown it to the point that there's no way he could ever be restored. There's no way he could ever be used again by the Lord that he's just, it's just too bad. It's just too blown. And I'm just going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before I was serving the Lord uh, because there's just no hope for me. And Jesus seeks him out while he's fishing and it's there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus restored him. In, in the same location where Jesus first called him at the very beginning to leave his nets and come follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. And here they are three and a half years later at the same spot. And Jesus restores him. That's the story of Peter. Amazing story of God's restoration grace, as we'll see later in the Gospel of John. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest cr- 
The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth. Reach true.